Welcome to Make Out With Him, a crushes, dating, friendship, and kissing podcast hosted by love amateurs Lex Croucher and Rosiana Holstrohas. We are here to give you bad advice whether you want to make out with him, her, them, everybody, or nobody. This is a podcast in progress, and we'll have guests in the future who aren't people like us. Send your questions to makeoutwithhim at gmail.com, or use hashtag makeoutwithhim on Twitter, or tweet at makeoutwithhim. And please include the pronouns and the name you'd like us to call you, or just anonymous, or pick a literary figure, as some of our questioners have done. How are you, Rosiana? Um, I'm okay, I'm a little stressed because there's just a lot to do today and I just started episode five of, episode five, season five of The Good Wife, so <laughs> I kind of want to focus on that important job and yeah. I have about 20 books that I wanted to read before I left for three weeks, um, but you know what, sometimes life throws you a non-bone, what's the opposite of a bone? A, a sack of flesh is the opposite of a bone. Um, how are you? I just got rid of my christmas tree it's june r.i.p so (laughs) that's um that's about right that sounds about right for who i am as a person i um my cat's just put her hands over her eyes and ears to be like please stop talking i'm trying to sleep it's very adorable um (laughs) can you take a picture for patreon yeah wait hey don't move i don't have gardening gloves i acquired a saw recently because our good friends Emily and Charlie are leaving the country moving to Canada and they were selling a saw which I think they used to saw up their Christmas tree which is exactly what I was using it for they did Um, I remember watching them do that yeah on like Twitter or something (laughs) so I just sat out on my balcony and cut my Christmas tree up today and don't yeah I shredded my hands and arms to pieces because I didn't have any gloves on, and then I nearly blocked our rubbish chute in our building. So all in all, it's been a very successful successful day. But now I don't have a Christmas tree anymore. And it's just one of those things that weighs heavily on you, you know? It's like people say, like, the elephant in the room. But for me, it's the Christmas tree on the balcony. It's always there, unspoken, and just a bad choice that I make Waiting. every year. Well, I'm glad that you did it. I feel like you've got a qualification as a lumberjack now. Yeah, I was thinking that. When I was doing the soaring, I was thinking that I was a sexy lumberjack. And then actually I looked down and realized that I was wearing like a long skirt covered in dust from the tree. And I, my nose was streaming because I'm allergic to dust. <laughs> and then actual drips of sweat were dripping down from my hairline and the back of my neck. Oh, and I was like, I hate that. I hate that's that. not maybe the hot lumberjack aesthetic I was going for. And I didn't even have a check shirt on because it's 28 degrees here. So it's too hot for a check shirt. Unless I ripped holes in it for like my armpits or something to give them like a vent. Yeah. I would just tied it like over each shoulder somehow. Yeah. Sexy backwards. If I tied one sleeve around my boobs as a really small boob tube, then I think that would be the acceptable lumberjack aesthetic. Oh, put that on the Patreon. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. I tried to sleep in this morning and I slept in until 6.30am. So then I just watched um, videos of people on the internet. As you do. Mostly YouTube. Um, And I watched a lot of videos. I watched the video of Louise, Sprinkle of Glitter Louise, telling all of her friends that she's pregnant. Yeah. And there's one person in it who has the best reaction I've ever seen. (laughs) Just like screams and cries. And it's just pure joy. (laughs) She told me on Facebook chat. And my response was, before I get excited, is this good? (laughs) Because you never know. I think it's important to check. Because if I said I was pregnant, the appropriate response would be, fuck yeah 
Yeah. So, gotta check. Like, different people, different strokes for different folks. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, I have become... This isn't actually really related. I mean, it's kind of related because um, Louise and Zoe are friends. But I've been watching a lot of, like, uh, Zoe, like, Zoella's videos lately and um, her boyfriend, Alfie. And I find it so fascinating. And I'm like, I know that lots of people don't like kind of aspirational life. And they don't like seeing aspirational content on the internet. And they find it really unhealthy and, like, maybe, like you know, mentally unhealthy and just all sorts of things to have this kind of like aspirational content or like these lives that seem very perfect and put together um i the zoe and alfie just moved into a new house and it's ridiculously beautiful and you know just amazing looking but i find that I, i i feel strangely proud of like youtube like the fact that you someone has managed to make youtube such a success for them that they can buy a huge fancy house like i i i find that to be a kind of encouraging thing which maybe is the opposite response to what lots of people would have but i don't know it doesn't bum me out it doesn't make me well you also you really have been watching like you started watching zoella when she was really starting out as well yeah so you've seen that transformation through yeah i (laughs) i met zoe and louise at a party a very long time ago and it was really funny because at that point, beauty gurus were kind of in a separate community and they hadn't really mingled with the rest of the YouTube community. Um, and that party was one of the first kind of times that happened. And I remember I was talking to a friend. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The beauty gurus are here. I love them so much. Like, I need to go talk to them. And like went over and, and said hi and like ended up chatting. And it was really nice. But I just found it really funny because they were kind of maybe a little scared of the rest of the YouTube community because they hadn't been introduced to everyone else yet um yeah and we are big scary nerds but now they're like running that youtube community so like yeah i don't know i i, I just find it it's kind of nice it's kind of nice to know that no, you could I think, it, I think it is i think it's cool yeah I get excited by housing security. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. The main thing is I'm just really excited when people buy property because I'm like, maybe one day I'll be able to buy property. Very unlikely, but, you know, it gives me hope. I need a nice home for my cat. And, you know, buying property in London requires a very large deposit <laughs> that I may never have. But we can, we can dream. We can all dream. Correct. We can. And you know what? We shall. Let's start with a question from Jane Austen, who says, Dear Lex and Rosianna, I'm currently in the best, healthiest relationship of my life. We've been together over a year and everything is pretty much as perfect as can be. We never fight. He supports me unconditionally. He's a real feminist, etc., etc. However, very occasionally he gets belligerently drunk. He's never violent at all, but twice he has literally screamed at me in the street. This past Saturday it happened and he tried to break up with me in front of two of our best friends because he thought I said I didn't care about the Scottish football team. Honestly, the ridiculousness of it all was kind of funny to me, but he feels horrible about it. Is it naive or foolish of me to forgive him and blow these things off so easily? Should I take this more seriously and treat it like a problem? Anyway, love the podcast and you wonderful women. Cheers, Jane. I have been in not the same situation, but a similar situation where I was in a relationship that like early on seemed like it was perfect in kind of all those ways um but yeah a couple of times had experiences of like 
someone behaving so seemingly out of character and just being like really awful and yeah like one time like having a go at me in public on my birthday and it's easy to when everything else is so good I it is really easy to kind of push these things aside and be like they're one-offs but it's something that's probably going to keep happening and um maybe it'll never get any worse but it'll probably stay the same unless you have like a really serious conversation about it then it i feel like it's quite likely that that will just continue to happen so even though other aspects of the relationship might seem you know perfect and good and healthy that isn't healthy like that someone shouldn't be screaming at you like even when drunk that that's not an excuse for behaving in a way that like i think it it is a problem that probably needs addressing. And I think it's, you know, it's nice if it's not affecting you right now and it feels funny, but I think in the long term, you probably don't want, the fact that you've even written this question makes me think that you don't want him to be drunkenly screaming at you in the street. Um, and yeah, that's a thing that needs to be addressed. I don't think it's a thing where it's like, you know, he is absolutely a terrible person, but I think that for now, it just seems like that's a very particular problem that you need to address. Um, Unless you think it's a fun game yeah. to scream at each other in the street. In which case, sure. Yeah, no, I think it, I mean, it is something that you've got to talk about and, you know, and figure out, like, what are, you said very occasionally and, like, is it, is there anything common between those occasions? Is there anything that can be, like, done to make that less likely to happen? Um, and sometimes people get belligerently drunk, but if it gets to that point where they're, screaming at you it does seem like there's something that's gone too far and then also if he feels horrible about it I feel like he probably is open to changing it um and the other thing is that it's probably best not to have this conversation the day after it's happened because when you because alcohol is a depressant the day afterwards the person who's been really drunk even if they don't always show a hangover um they can be really really depressed just because of how alcohol works so i would say like have that conversation on another day um because then it would be less it'd be like more straight to the point and less like almost reactive to that if that makes sense yeah um and the other thing i'd say is that it almost sounds like you're scared of fucking up the relationship by addressing it because you started by saying like this is the best relationship of your life like it's great he's never fights and so on like this is the kind of seems like it's the one thing and it's like you you feel like you might pull out the wrong um thing in Django or something and it all might come crashing down um I wouldn't I wouldn't focus on that because that's it's part of your relationship as well the rest of your relationship can be completely perfect but this is also part of it and it does need to be addressed like it doesn't mean that you're saying he's malicious it doesn't mean you're saying he's a bad boyfriend yeah it was you saying like we never fight which made me think like you you shouldn't be afraid of fighting because you know somebody screaming at you in the street in front of your friends is a good reason to not fight but like you know have a discussion even have an argument like hash it out basically um I know that there'll be some people listening who'll be thinking like, guys, you're taking this real seriously because for some people, they think that like shouting at each other is a normal part of a relationship. Like 
there are plenty of people that I know who fight all the time and you know that's just part of what they consider to be like a normal relationship um I think like I guess if you both are the kind of person who just brushes this kind of thing off and it doesn't affect you whatsoever then yeah maybe it would seem like we're going a little overboard (laughs) by saying these things but I don't know I just think that when there's like that level of aggression I guess like you know it's not physical aggression yeah it's not necessarily what you want in a relationship and you don't want it to become the norm in a relationship our next question comes from a nonny mouse who says I don't know if this is weird or if I'm the only person that does this but when I'm interested in someone I tend to daydream about having a relationship with them for some reason my brain does this and I wasn't sure how common it was among other people it usually happens when I want to get to know a specific person better or if I'm attracted to someone it hasn't gotten too out of hand And I guess it's mostly just for the lols, but I think the main reason why I worry is the fact that I'm creating an idealization of that person in my mind and my expectations of interacting with that person are then set up based on an entirely fictional scenario. I don't want to develop a habit of assuming things about people I haven't deeply interacted with, and I feel like having these situations pop up is going to affect the way I interact with others in the long run. E.g., if I learn something about someone that I didn't expect and then become off-put or judge them only from that one aspect that didn't line up with what I imagined. It's probably better that those experiences are grounded in reality, right? So I guess my main questions are, has this happened to you? Do you think this is unhealthy, even if it hasn't occurred many times? How would you go about tackling this issue? From a concerned anon. Oh man, I do this all the time. Me too. (laughs) Me too. I cannot just have, like... I I don't know how you have... I'm sure many people do, but I don't know how you have a, like, crush on someone and not imagine... Not create, like, elaborate, like, imaginary scenarios. (laughs) um, That, like, extend beyond just, like, basic fantasy to just go on into, like, these really prolonged, elapsed scenarios. (laughs) I don't know. What about you, Lex? Do you do this? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think... The thing is, though, you're talking about worrying about... um, having these like idealized versions of people but that's what everyone's like when they first start dating like you're dating the ideal like that's the whole point of the honeymoon phase is that you are like you know you have this idea of what the person is like based on the fact that you don't know each other like that well yet and you're in the exciting phase and everything seems wonderful and then like things will happen that will like sometimes bring you crashing down when you realize that they are human and they have flaws um so i think it's part of a relationship generally is that you know you have that realization that they are not the ideal the ideal dreamboat that you thought they were um but yeah i mean i definitely do that. yeah i don't think you're like sabotaging yourself in any way any more than no. anyone else <laughs> yeah we're all just idiots um i think like the only time when it becomes a problem is if you are so focused on your ideal version of a person that you don't notice all the ways that they're like trying to show you their actual self or like all the things that you know the signs that might point to them being like very different from that person you'd imagine like if you just stick with your imagination and your like imaginary version of them that could be a little bit of a problem um but i don't know i think everyone does this like i yeah i really struggle to have a crush on someone without being like without imagining what our first date would be like or what our first kiss would be like and stuff like that. And like, if I go on a couple of dates with someone and I like them, then yeah, I do like to imagine what a relationship would be like. And I, I think it's really fun. It's just a fun thing to do. It is really fun. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, I don't think it's an issue that needs tackling. Um, I think that even like outside of the romantic 
section, relationship section. I think we do that with friendships, kind of like anytime you make some kind of interaction with someone, you're, you're, I think, doing it based on some kind of like imaginary follow up to that situation. It's hard for me to think of a situation where I make a decision without in some way imagining the outcome is what I'd say. Yeah. And obviously, if it's tied into feelings <laughs> um, or other things that like are kind of a bit more mysterious, you're going to ascribe more to that outcome a lot of the time. So I really, yeah, I agree. I don't think it's something that needs to be tackled, but I do think that it's important to be mindful, as Lex said, of like listening to people when they're teaching you about themselves and they're learning about themselves and also kind of the shallowness of a lot of the time of um, what we immediately go to and think up about people because it's from like a limited data set and then we kind of add to it and embellish to it and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's a difficult thing to uh, think about at the beginning of a relationship, but you kind of have to accept that at some point you are probably going to have that moment where you realize that they're not quite, the person isn't quite who you thought they were and not in like a bad way, but they're just not, yeah, this ideal perfect person because nobody is. Um, yeah. And it might not be in a huge way. It might just be in a small way, but yeah, like you kind of have to, I know this is taking a bit further because this is imagining that the people you're imagining then, uh, you know, become your actual real life partners. But um, yeah, like, you just have to be prepared for that moment where you go like okay you're not quite the exact person that I thought you were um but yeah that doesn't have right. to mean like it doesn't have to be a a bad thing it's just yeah you're learning more about who they actually are you're seeing their true self for the first time like Beauty and the Beast please not like Beauty and the Beast because some parts of Beauty and the Beast are just very upsetting <laughs> they are as they say hashtag problematic i mean i just i the thing that made me really uncomfortable stop listening for like 20 seconds if you haven't seen the new live action beauty and the beast and you don't want spoilers which i cannot imagine that's very many people are in that middle of that venn diagram um um, at the end when he's a person and then they are like at their wedding i guess like dancing and then she makes some joke about him being a like what does she say oh god she does make a joke is, she is makes... it, oh man wait i need to find i need to go like growls wait, 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 or something wait. oh my god <laughs> oh she says <laughs> she says like do you think you could grow a beard because he's like a man now and he's not hairy anymore and then he just goes like growl and like makes a sexy growling sound and i just wanted to like remove my organs so I didn't have to experience that anymore I was just so upset and then I talked about this on Twitter and someone said that a woman nearby like swooned when she heard this she went like oh because she thought it was so hot and I was like oh my god oh god no well it just kind of lines up with my feeling since the animated version and that I would mostly apply to the animated version alone is that I always felt quite disappointed when he turned into a man yeah I think everyone (laughs) did he's like like, it's kind of basic. Everyone would rather burn the beast. Oh, God. It's so dark. It's not that anyway, dark. He's just a very hairy man. What were we talking about? For who could learn to love a beast. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah. Basically, 
In answer to your question, Anonymous, um, it's not weird. I think it's fine. Like, it's not a problem that you have to get over. I don't think it's an issue. As long as, yeah, as long as you don't let your ideal version of somebody um, overshadow the actual version of that person, then I think it's fine. And, you know, I don't think you will. It's just fun. I like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely a person who likes to generally, like, I keep saying like so much. I am definitely a person who still drifts off into daydreams a lot. And like, I was going to say fantasies, but that sounds very sexual, but just fantasies generally. I just, I just enjoy drifting off into a world where, you know, for example, I own property. <laughs> These are my daydreams <laughs> now. When I was a kid, I, it was like that. I had that's three your ponies, real fantasy. Now that I have Owning one house. property. Yep. The yeah. dream. That's my porn. I mean, if I had three ponies, then I could sell them and buy a house. So it works all the time. Oh, fuck. <laughs> It'd be so great. Imagine, just imagine owning property. I literally can't. I can't. I can't. I imagine it all the time, but I can't. It never feels real. You know, the only time when owning property feels real to me is when I enter the lottery, which I do occasionally because it's the only way I'm ever going to be able to have property. So I sporadically will enter the lottery. And then for that one day until they call the results and I haven't won, um, I have property and I go on like all the property websites and I look and I'm like, I think I only want to spend maybe a million and like, you know, filter by a million. And like, I'm like only three bedrooms, you know, I don't need more than three and one can be the cat's room. And yeah, that's, that's where my imagination takes me now. It's wild. It is like a, just a bad situation to be in when like our most, uh, even though it's, you know, probably not really the most likely thing, but the most likely way we can think of to be in that position is by entering the lottery, which we know has not good odds. <laughs> but the odds of winning right, the lottery not seem, like... seem greater than the odds of us being able to buy property generally. Yeah, and we're not like represent. We're, we're very middle class, so it's not even like we're the people with the longest route to that. Exactly. Anyway, like, we're, we're in very privileged positions, and yet it's still impossible. What a fun world we live in. Well, by by world I mean city. What a fun city I live in. Anyway. So our next question comes from Emily, not the Emily who has left left us for Canada, but another Emily. Um, Emily says, hi, Lex and Rosanna. First off, thank you for the podcast. I just moved to a new city for my summer internship. Are we sure that this isn't Emily? (laughs) And I'm living in a dorm with a good number of people. Unfortunately, I've never really been social. I don't like going out at night. I don't drink and I'm not really a fan of bars. That makes it pretty hard to socialize with my age group. They occasionally go on outings, but drinking is the one thing they all have in common. And besides, I'd rather go on solo adventures. On the one hand, I feel like I'm missing out if I don't go with these people. On the other hand, at times when I have gone out, I'm wishing I was at home instead. How can I make sure that I socialize and make friends this summer without having to feel like I'm on or not being myself? Trying to stay cool and be cool for the summer. Emily. You were saying that you go on solo adventures. And it's, you know, fine to obviously still go on solo adventures. But, like, maybe planning, like, being the person to take charge of planning stuff that's not drinking is helpful. Like, if you are presenting them with opportunities to, like, bond outside of drinking, I'm sure they'd be very grateful and very happy that, like, someone is taking charge of that. And that they have, like, yeah, like, if you have cool ideas, like, if you're used to going on adventures, I'm sure they would want to be invited along on adventures with you. And, yeah, you can just find ways of creating those situations where you get to hang out without drinking. I mean, it is also worth saying, um, I know you don't love going out at night in bars and stuff, 
but there can be compromise. Like it can be things like, you know, going to a pub instead, like going to a restaurant. Like even if everyone else is drinking, I know that sometimes it's hard to hang out with people who are drinking when you're not, but um, there are situations where like that can satisfy, satisfy both your needs. Like, you know, you could go somewhere fun where drinking is an option, but is, you know, optional. I mean, drinking is always optional, obviously. But, um, like the board game places. Like what? What are these places called? Like the tabletop places? Oh, the tabletop gaming pubs and stuff. Yeah, I don't know what they're called. Yeah. But yeah, like places with activities, like bowling. You can get drunk while bowling, or you can do it sober. Oh my gosh. I've heard. Bowling. Number one. <laughs> Number one. Bowling. <laughs> Go bowling. Um, bowling. 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 Am I also, right? Also, bowling has fun arcades always, right? They have those, yeah. like, they have, like, air hockey and, like, yeah. ski ball and shit. There's, like, all these fun things that you They're can just do at night that aren't just, like, hanging out in a bar or going to a club. Um... I am going on a double date next weekend. Not next weekend. I'm going to, that's important. I'm going on a double date next week to a place in London where you can play ping pong and that's fun. Like you can drink, yes. but you can also play ping pong. Like there's just all sorts of things that you can do that would kind of merge your desire to not have a kind of typical bar drinking night and their desire to go out and drink like in a fun way with balls involved, ping pong or bowling. Yeah, I also have a few friends who don't drink and um, what they like to do is sometimes come for like the first hour or two Yeah, and then we'll go off and do their own thing. And sometimes that can feel awkward because then you have to like do the exit and like that's kind of stressful. But at the same time, like you're really the person who's focusing on that. They're not focusing on that. And it's a way to have that social time. If it's earlier in the night, people probably won't have drunk as much. And if that's part of what makes you uncomfortable about socializing people drinking as well, like when everyone else is drunk and you're sober, not often a pleasant experience (laughs) in certain groups, um, then that also kind of is a bit preventative of that. And also because it can be like when everyone's going to go, you're joining for food, but like when everyone's drinking, but maybe not for the bar afterwards or things like that. So maybe like segment it into an hour or two at a time. Then you also get time in at home afterwards in the evening where you can just like do whatever it is you enjoy doing most or go on solo adventures. Um, but you have that time there. The other thing I'd say is also cinema is a good one, especially if there's like a weird revival showing of something and you're like, uh, they're showing Clueless at the cinema or something. Um, and that's a good one because people can like chill and sit and watch. Um, I don't mean to, I always feel like when I give advice like this, I'm pushing someone into being social because obviously Lex, you and I are a little extroverted. Um, <laughs> But it, I think it, I think it is good to like, at least once every couple of weeks or so, try it. And I definitely like the idea of going out for the beginning of a night and not necessarily having to stay because it takes a lot of pressure off. Because I often get quite anxious in situations like that. I definitely have had times where I felt really trapped on a night out, um, especially if I feel like I, you know, can't really leave, like I shouldn't be leaving, or it would be considered rude to leave. Um, but I think if you, like, from the outset say, like, oh, I, you know, you, you can tell white lie. You don't have to. You can just say, oh, you know, I want to get to bed early or I want to, um, I'm really tired today. Or you can just say, I probably won't stay out late, but I'll come join you for a, for the beginning of the night. And, like, people probably will not judge you whatsoever. I think it's good to just, um, to be in that situation without feeling trapped and without feeling all the expectation of, like, having a big night out. Because I definitely love 
having the option to leave and giving myself that kind of like planning my exit from the start and laying the groundwork for the fact that I will be leaving. <laughs> Next question comes from Regina Falange. Very good. Um, who says, hi, Lex and Rosianna. I'm in quite the pickle. How do I deal with other girls' jealousy and insecurity when it comes to their own relationships? From my perspective, I act the same way around boys as I do around girls, but a lot of girls perceive me as acting flirty around their boyfriends, which I know I'm not. At the time of writing this, I currently have to deal with three girls who think I'm after their boyfriend's dick. It's got to the point where two of the girls have tried to forbid their boyfriends from hanging out with me, even though their boyfriends agree there is nothing between us and that I very clearly have no desire whatsoever to get inside their pants. I've blatantly told these girls I have no interest in their boyfriends, yet the problem persists. Is the world just not ready for super platonic male-female friendships? I'm planning to have a chat to one of the girls, but as I've never been in a proper committed relationship myself, I can't really empathise with the feeling of being threatened by other girls, so I don't want to belittle her by saying she's being ridiculous when I don't actually know how she feels, but goddamn she's being ridiculous i don't want my friendships with these guys to be hugely affected by the fact that they're now in relationships but i also don't like being falsely painted as a homewrecker thoughts love from australia regina falange i have so many thoughts (laughs) so i have been the jealous girlfriend and i um just you know long story short had a series of experiences within relationships that made me feel really really insecure and uh made me feel like even if you trusted someone like that you know they could still break you know even if you thought you were in a serious relationship with someone and there was trust between you they would break that trust and yeah you know I've had experiences that have just set me up to be quite an insecure person about relationships um luckily I do not feel uh, like affected by those things anymore because it's been a long time and it's just something that I've worked through and you know I've been to therapy and all sorts of things um but I fully empathize with people feeling jealous because it's really tough because obviously it is a ridiculous and not logical thing and it's really frustrating for everyone involved. Like those girls are also not having a good time of it. Like they are feeling insecure and threatened and I very distinctly remember that feeling of jealousy, like feeling physically sick when a guy said he was going to hang out with like a friend of his who for whatever reason I felt like there was maybe more going on there or like you know I remember how that feels and it was awful I'm not saying that that means that that feeling should affect you and like that you know you should feel bad for them and that in any way should affect how you um deal with the situation but I just wanted to say that I do understand where like how that feels and I understand where that comes from um I think yeah I mean, obviously nothing you can say is going to stop them from feeling insecure and jealous. Like that's a problem with them. It's not a problem with you and it's not a problem, you know, it it might might not be even a problem within their relationship. Um, Maybe their boyfriends have given them reason to feel like they can't trust them, but it's probably just a problem with how they feel and their own insecurities. Um, But I do think that if you do want to do something to make the situation better, even though it's not your job to whatsoever, um, having yeah like honest conversations going into it not not as much as possible trying not to be kind of angry or defensive because they are also going through something really tough even though it's unfair on you like they are still struggling with something um i think yeah being as open and honest as possible and also getting to know these girls could be helpful um i feel like 
the threat the threat to people is often this kind of this girl they don't know hanging out with their boyfriend like that is kind of it's like the unknown like not knowing what that situation is not having spent time with them so like if you guys can all hang out together that can help i mean again i feel like i'm coming up with ways that you can help fix this situation that is not your job to fix but it sounds like you want to try and make it better um so yeah, like that is a thing that I would have found really helpful when I was a teenager and going through that kind of thing, getting to know the girls that I was kind of worried about. Right, because I, I also feel like a lot of people in relationships, when there's like a jealousy situation, like the, um, the other person will often like not introduce that friend to their other friends or to their girlfriend. Then there's like this weird separation that yeah. like... I get it, they want to keep their friendship group separate and they don't want to, like, have crossover in their lives, but I think that that can often... If they've not even been able to meet them once or, like, have a like like a two-hour hangout in which both parties are invited, then it does kind of push that. And it's often, like, completely benign and, like, not an act of malice and, like, not an act of even shadiness or anything it's just like the idea has never come up so maybe it's kind of expressing like if you haven't like properly hung out with them like let's do something uh all however many of us you know um because I I think you're right like I think that will help and you're right that the unknown is always terrifying and you fill it with all of these things and um and I think worst case scenarios yeah exactly and that's also where like all of these kind of caricatures of women get involved as well like you know oh she's like the temptress the seducer the other woman the scarlet woman stuff because yeah the homewrecker all of that stuff um and it's because they don't have the context about you that they need but at the same time like it isn't fair on you it really isn't and there's nothing I can say other than that like it feels ridiculous you're it's exhausting and you just want to be like I'm a friend I'm not interested like I'm you know there's just like no I'm not interested <laughs> whatsoever um uh but it, yeah it takes more work than it should but it doesn't sound this sounds like a friendship you friendships you want to protect and um things that something that you want to try and find another way through but um yeah it might involve a bit more lifting than it should from your part but I think that that hopefully will help in some way I don't know yeah I think I feel weirdly protective of jealous girlfriends because I have been one and because I understood like from that perspective I know that being a jealous girlfriend isn't a case of being like I want control over the situation just you know because I want it and like I it's more like, oh, I've been crying every night because I'm worried about this thing, <laughs> um, which it doesn't make it any better right. from like other perspectives. It's just that I, we kind of imagine these jealous girlfriends as being like, you know, like it's that whole like women are crazy and like, you know, wanting to control your life and all that kind of stuff when actually from, at least from my experience, when I was jealous, it was very much like I was horribly upset and felt like, to be fair, Um, I don't know if my experience of being a jealous girlfriend is typical because I feel like in a few cases I was given very good reason to feel insecure. Um, and also, uh, yeah, I've definitely had that problem of a boyfriend trying to keep me really separate from other friends, which 
is weird. Like, it doesn't feel good to be, like, kept yeah. apart and not really made a part of someone's life. Um, but, yeah. Basically, I'm going to stop rambling about this now because I obviously have a lot of feelings about it, but I don't know how helpful they are. I think, yeah, it's not on you to fix it. Like, it sounds like you're trying to do a really good thing by wanting to have a conversation um, with the girls or, like, one of these girls. Um, Good for you for trying. Like, it's not your job to fix it. It's, it's, yeah, it's a terrible situation for everybody involved. And, yeah just generally sucks so (sighs) good luck with that conversation but I can guarantee you that it's it's not about you as a person like it's not that they think you're a flirt or whatever it's that they're just imagining you are these like they're they're not even imagining you they're just imagining like this phantom like person getting in the way of their relationship or whatever it's not actually about you and even though obviously it feels very personal, it's not personal. They would feel this way about any other girl who was like close to their boyfriend in the same way. Um, yeah, it's yeah. really tricky. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry for everyone in this situation because it sucks. I was just thinking about like the the way I learned about the concept of like being a flirt or like, oh God, she's such a flirt, all of that stuff. Um it is it, that is also another thing that feels very like Austenian to me yeah. now um because that sense of like oh yeah like she was like laughing with this guy and like touching his arm and all the stuff like how could she not the arm um, the arm is and... the genital of the body oh, wait what the arm is the genitals of the rest of the body there is already a genital <laughs> mostly continue <laughs> I got confused it's but it's like day. that like that sense of like of like oh yeah like don't let that girl around your boyfriends because she'll try and steal them like all of that stuff it feels so when I put like when I look back at it in context I'm like oh my god it's so archaic and of course everyone fits into these other roles because that's how we talk about that and it's like why are we so yeah unhappy with women expressing their sexuality in any way like in any way and that leads to other people feeling insecure understandably because of the way we talk about the way some people express their sexuality it's so annoying it's not even a sexuality thing like often like you know a girl laughing with a guy that's it's not sexual it can be but it's not it's not anything to do with sexuality often it's just that kind of it's intimacy is what it is like being in, right. intimate with somebody in a way that means that you're like sharing a joke or being physically intimate and like hugging or like so in conclusion patriarchy yep that's always cool. the conclusion of every podcast <laughs> thanks for listening cool. everybody we we've done another one of these podcasts we'll be back probably next week with another one of these podcasts oh my god someone like us I don't know if you can tell how tired we are. We've got no idea what's going on. Um, please send in your questions to makeoutwithhim at gmail.com or tweet us at makeoutwithhim. Use the hashtag makeoutwithhim. We also have a Patreon. Thank you so much to everyone who supported us on Patreon. Um, Patreon.com forward slash makeoutwithhim. Roll the outro. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to end it. If you're in need of advice If you don't know what to do Then write to Lex and Rosie and they might just answer you